Coming up on AEA Amplified, Honeywell's global business aviation outlook shows strong demand for new business jets and an increased focus on reducing carbon emissions. From the Aircraft Electronics Association, this is AEA Amplified, a podcast for aviation's technology experts with your host, Jeff Hill. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of AA Amplified. As always, it's sponsored by our good friends over at Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company providing full flight deck upgrade solutions of customizable EFIS smart displays, UHF and VHF airborne radios, and autopilots, plus much more for retrofit and OEM factory fit aircraft. To learn more about the upgrade solutions, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Hi again, everyone. I'm your host, Jeff Hill, for this October 15th, 2023 special edition of AA Amplified, coming to you on the eve of the NBAA convention in Las Vegas, where earlier tonight, longtime AEA member Honeywell just published its 32nd annual Global Business Aviation Outlook. And here to tell us all about it and dive into the details is Javier Jimenez Serrano. He is the strategy and market research manager for Honeywell Aerospace. And Javier, thank you so much for being here on a Sunday night to break it all down for us. I know we had you on as a guest almost exactly one year ago to the day. Uh, so many of our listeners are familiar with the Honeywell forecast, but just give us a quick refresher uh, on your annual report and Describe the methodology behind gathering the data, how you collect the data, uh, where it comes from, and, and also how long it takes you to put it to put it all together. Yes, hi, hi, Jeff. Uh, it's my pleasure, and it's nice to be back with uh, your AEA audience. Yes, this is like you said, the thirty-second edition of the Honeywell Business Aviation Outlook. Um, it's been uninterrupted. Uh, even through the great financial crisis and 2020. And it basically synthesizes data from um, several sources. One is a survey of hundreds of business aviation operators, uh, data from observed usage and purchase behavior, publicly available data, purchase data, internal, external data, and intel from meetings with our OEM customers, our MRO partners, and fleet operators. And in terms of timing, uh, we craft the survey in the spring, early summer, and conduct the interviews between July and September. Um, then we gather the, the intel um, um, through through the year, right? And, um, and, and we'll, we get get it all packaged up and pretty for MBAA. So actually, it's a very, very detailed and lengthy process that you go through. And I know the the headline uh, in this year's outlook indicates uh, that we're seeing strong demand for new business jets over the next decade. So let me start by just asking you exactly how many new business jet deliveries that industry should expect uh, from 2024 to 2033? And then also, what does that dollar value equate to? Yes, uh, this year um, we are forecasting 8,500 uh, business jet deliveries over the next 10 years between 2024 and 2033, both years included. 
Um, the dollar amount, and this is the, the market size, very simple. Those deliveries times the list price in 20, $23, sum it all up, and we're looking at $278 billion. Uh, yes, the, um, uh, the number of aircraft uh, that we forecast is the same as, as last year. Uh, in terms of uh, the value, it's gone up just a bit, and that's just because of the effects of inflation on the list prices of most jets. Um, other than that, pretty similar to last year, 8,500. And Javier, I see that one of the report's key findings uh, is that the fleet additions are up for the third straight year, uh, which is good news. What else can you tell us about that? Yes. So out of the 19% rate of new jet purchases as a percentage of the current fleet, uh, out of that 19%, 3% is fleet additions. And additions in the past have averaged just over 1%, um, and that's the average over the past 10 years. Uh, so this is around 200 um, more Additionally, right on top of that usual rate of additions, um, and that's that's what we picked up uh, in the next five years. Expect an additional 200 over what has been the average in the past. All right, and Javier, also uh, your report shows that uh, the business aviation operators out there are now showing um, a greater interest, uh, heightened awareness, I guess, uh, for reducing their carbon emissions. So. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about this uh, strengthening shift towards sustainability efforts uh, that's taking place in the industry and uh, and how do operators actually reduce the carbon footprint? Yes, uh, so before I answer your question, uh, I wanna make sure I, I mentioned that um, there is a section our, on our survey that deals with sustainability. For the past three years, we've been asking operators what current methods are they implementing for a more environmentally friendly operation? And what are they planning to start implementing or increase um, in, the, in the future? Now, because of the timeline of the survey, we're, we're looking at you know, the, the next few years. We're not looking into the uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, right? In that case, most people would say, well, electric, hydrogen, not sure will I even be alive, right? But uh, when we look at the, um, the here and now is, um, is, is limited. Uh, the good thing is that uh, Honeywell, for example, has ready made or, or ready, ready now solutions uh, like SAF um, and uh, other uh, efficiency tools. Now in the survey and what they respond, uh, what they responded to the, the first question, what are you doing now currently? Not many of them said SAF because we know that availability of SAF is still tight, right? Uh, but when we shift the question to the future, what do they start, uh, where are they thinking about starting implementing or, or, or um, doing more of? And about 40% are saying, yes, SAF. SAF is the way to go because they don't want to compromise on the performance of the aircraft, right? A lot of um, uh, alternative methods, right? In, involve decreasing the cruise speed, et cetera. 
Um, so they, they're looking at SAF and, and that makes sense. It's, it's the ready now solution uh, that just needs to be made more available across um, airports. And once again, we are visiting with Javier Jimenez Serrano of Honeywell here on AEA Amplified, sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company. And Javier, can you tell us about uh, maybe some of the other key important findings that stand out to you? Yes. Uh, so uh, by now, um, we, we've seen uh, orders for new aircraft stabilize, uh, backlogs. Uh, they're still still long, right? It's still a long waiting period. But that hasn't uh, hasn't increased at the same rate as in 2022, and flight activity um, has um, um, come come down a bit from those 2022 highs. So, um, knowing that, we can start making a comparison between uh, what we are seeing now today for the next 10 years and what we were looking at in 2020. And by doing that, we've been able to estimate that the new buyers, quote unquote, new buyers post-COVID um, are going to drive 500 additional uh, deliveries of turbofan uh, business aircraft and around 6% more flying than where we would have what we would have seen had we not had um, the 2020 um, trough, right? And uh, uh, we're still 10% above 2019 levels, but we don't just want to be above 2019. We want to be above where we would have been now if growth had kept up from the 2019 uh, baseline. And Javier, I know I asked you, I think the same question a year ago, but it's fascinating to me. And I think it's important to, to help our listeners put things into con context. Um, of course, Honeywell, as you've noted, it, you've produced this report now for 32 years. So I'm, I'm curious when you look back, I guess, over the long-term history of that, uh, of that report, and I know much of that predates uh, the two of us, but, but how yes. accurate has the report been over that time in hindsight? Yes, yes. And um, by the way, this is the 32nd year that we present at MBAA, but it is the 38th year that we do the survey. Uh, so yes, it, it, this predates us quite quite a bit. Um, I I if if I could predict the future exactly and precisely, I would not be here, nor would I have this job. Um, it's, it's a tough proposition, right? It's like um, predicting the weather. Best you can do is warn people um, and uh, look at the trends. Um, having said that, I believe that this process and the survey has revealed quite a few trends that have been advantageous for the industry and for Honeywell in its, in its history, three, almost four decade history. Uh, one, and just some examples here. One is the, um, the, the creation really of the super mid-size class, right? Honeywell, uh, some two decades ago was looking at uh, what the AFM was gonna look like. And through the survey, we understood that um, the, the users uh, really needed something that had a little bit more performance but at a competitive price point, right? 
so that that's one one success story there, and and we've had hundreds of deliveries per year since uh, the launch of I guess the the inaugural aircraft was it was the Challenger 300. Yes. Um, something else is um, the the industry was looking at personal jets, right? Micro jets. They were gonna uh, cloud the sky. I, I think the the survey didn't agree. Um, and um, maybe my predecessors took a little bit of, of uh, flag because uh, they were not uh, in line with uh, with the rest of the industry and the buzz. Uh, but uh, we we prevented uh, ourselves and um, um, and the industry perhaps from chasing something that wasn't there. Um, and lastly, um, supersonic business jets. Uh, the survey through the years has said, yes, there is a market, um, is not very big, about 200 um, total, right? Without getting into replacing those 200, 200 total, and it's probably not enough for a startup, right? Um, that being said, of course, Honeywell is ready and able to support any OEM um, designing or planning um, a supersonic business aircraft. But anyway, this is uh, this is what the uh, forecast and the survey are useful for: identifying trends, uh, identifying where Honeywell should invest, and where we should uh, maybe leave it up to the rest of the industry uh, to prove themselves. That's a great, great stuff there. A great breakdown. I appreciate that. Before we get to our final four questions, uh, let me ask you, are there any other interesting nuggets uh, to point out from the report or other items of note? Yes. Um, since you mentioned earlier um, sustainability, um, and, and I, 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 I share that this was the, the third year that we do this, um, I would like to uh, to share some some trends with you, right? So in 2021, when we asked people about what uh, what they might do in the future, two thirds, 67 percent or so, of the operators of the respondents said that they didn't they didn't plan to do anything different, they didn't plan to uh, start doing anything or increase doing anything. That number went from 67% in 2021 to 40% in 2022, and now we're looking at a third. So even though uh, the methods for quote unquote decarbonizing business aviation may not be apparent or available everywhere, I think it's fair to say that the industry is becoming more aware. Um, there's more, more awareness and operators are starting to, to plan ahead. Well, Javier, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, and now it's time to have a little fun with our lightning round and our final four that's sponsored by Genesis Aero Systems, a Moog company. And we're just simply looking for the first thing that, that comes to your mind uh, and why you feel that way for each of our final four questions. So uh, here we go. Number one, uh, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? Okay, I would probably write a book about quotes. Um, many times during meetings, I take down notes on what people said that might have been funny. A lot of people, when they're maybe in the heat of the moment, 
maybe working harder at something. They might have a Freudian slip, right? They might have something, uh, they might say something unexpected that I find really funny. Uh, for example, I've caught my boss and I, <laughs> this is the same uh, notebook that I used to, to take notes throughout the day, but in the back, that's where I write the quotes that I like. Um, I, I have my, my boss have uh, quoted here saying, uh, the price of, um, in a cake eating contest is more cake. Congratulations. I found that uh, pretty, pretty funny. That, that's awesome. All right, I will read that book when you get that written. Uh, num <laughs> number two, uh, who has been your most important professional mentor? Yes, um, a, a consultant by the name of Richard Brown. Um, he's the managing director and founder of Navio Consultancy out of uh, the UK. Uh, we worked in him company. He was managing, I believe, the, the Europe uh, uh, accounts uh, or EMEI accounts. Uh, when, before my Honeywell life, I was a consultant as well. Um, and I don't know if it's because he saw me as a, um, maybe he thought I was lost somehow, I don't know. I, I had just graduated with a master's in aerospace engineering, consulting, uh, a bit different, right? Even though I was not intimidated by any math in consulting, um, different animal. So he, very quickly broke anything we do, anything we did in consulting, anything I do now can be summarized in three questions. The three questions that I ask myself every day um, as, as I do my job here. One is, uh, is, is there a market for whatever we're looking at? How big is it? And do we have a right to play, right? Um, very simple. And then we started reading books together um, free economics was one of them. Now the book is a bit controversial. It doesn't represent how I feel about any of the topics in the book, but it does um, encourage people to think about the incentives that uh, different actors have as you go through life and tries to size right the, the opportunities in life and, and apply econometric behavior, which at the end of the day, it's, it's psychology, either in the microeconomics individual or psychology at the individual level or at the microeconomics, um, what happens when you, you put the intentions of many people um, to, together, right? All right, very good. All right, question number three uh, is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I would love to live in the Basque country. I am originally from Spain. I am not from the Basque country, uh, but I am very much food motivated. And the Basque country has really good food. I think it's the place with the highest concentration of Michelin star restaurants, you know, per area, per square, whatever, meter, uh, square kilometers or uh, uh, square miles. Um, and it's, it's quite green, it's pretty. Um, I would I would definitely consider um, or, or uh, retiring there, right? You you gave me a choice if I could do it anyway. But but even if even if I don't win the lottery or my life doesn't work out so that I can live there, 
um, in the near term, I will at least try to retire there. Sounds good. I look forward to visiting there as well myself. All right, our question number four, our final one is, what is the most important lesson that you have learned over your career? Yes, um, I've, I've learned to not get too frustrated with people, right? A lot of times, um, because I'm very much uh, data-driven um, and I try to be open and transparent with uh, my intentions, uh, when those don't align with um, other people's intentions or actions that I that I need to work with or whatever, both professionally and in my personal life, I've learned to to understand that they're not stupid, right? They just have different priorities, and I just need to hopefully understand them and find a way to to satisfy both of our priorities. That's a great answer. Can totally relate to it myself and something I need to work on myself. So Javier, thanks so much for joining us here on AA Amplified. And for our listeners out there, you can learn more about Honeywell and the 32nd annual Global Business Aviation Outlook on their website at Honeywell.com. And if you happen to be at the NBAA convention this week, you can see Javier in person over at the Honeywell booth, and that'll be at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Uh, before we sign off, let me do remind our listeners and AA members out there some important items, and that is the AA's classroom is loaded up once again with a full schedule of avionics training courses that take place at the headquarters here in Lee Summit, Missouri. Uh, and there are several in-person and virtual classes available. You can learn more about each of them and reserve your seat by visiting aea.net slash training. Also, there is only one AEA regional left on the schedule this year in the United States, and that's going to take place in Reno, Nevada, October 26th and 27th at the Grand Sierra Resort. And for AEA members that are in the South Pacific region, the final regional of this year takes place in Queenstown, New Zealand, and that'll be November 9th and 10th. You can register now and make your hotel reservations for either of these two-day events at aea.net slash regionals. And finally, workforce development is always a priority for the entire aerospace industry. So be sure to check out aerocareers.net. That is a one-stop resource to help recruit the next generation of aerospace industry talent. Again, that's aerocareers.net. That's going to wrap it up for today. We hope you can join us again soon for another episode of AA Amplified, sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a mode company. To learn more about Genesis and its full range of upgrade solutions, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Thanks again to Javier Jimenez Serrano of Honeywell for being our guest today. And until next time, here on AA Amplified, for our producer engineer, Aaron Ward, this is your host, Jeff Hill wishing you blue skies ahead. So long, everybody.